0: Shalom and welcome to you from Sunday to Sabbath, weekly podcast helping others discover the life that they were created to live in Jesus. I'm your host, Pastor Mike Scan, Senior Pastor of Epic Life Church in Terrell, Texas. We were once a Sunday church, but now we gather on the Shabbat, the Sabbath. Join us in this journey and discover the truth of God's word for living today. Well, welcome back to another episode of From Sunday to Sabbath. I'm Mike Scan. I am the senior pastor of Epic Life Church. We were once a Sunday church, but now we are the Sabbath, a Sabbath church. And just kind of telling our story and doing teachings along the way that I believe will help you live out the life that God has created for you to live. Today, we're going to, because we're in uh, coming up upon fall, I thought it would be appropriate to address a common concern in many people who are making that transition from Sunday to Sabbath, um, who are possibly new to the Torah, who are interested in it, and maybe there's some confusion. Hopefully clean up some of that confusion with that. So today I want to talk about the feasts. And what I mean by that, if you're new to Torah, we were once new, you know, we are like, what are the feasts? So in the Bible, there are feasts or holidays that are actually – God's holidays these are holidays that God commanded the nation of Israel to obey but there's some confusion now before we get into that I want to talk really quickly about three areas that typically that we've discovered are the most uh, the biggest struggles uh, when it comes to making that transition from from a Torah to making the transition to more of a Torah observant lifestyle there are basically three objections if I may say and these are three obstacles that typically Christians have to overcome that are coming into like, is this, uh, you know, this life that we're called to live. And so the first one is most obvious. And obviously it's in our, in the name of our our podcast. And that is Sabbath. Sabbath is probably the number one obstacle because you and I, and everybody that does it has to make some major changes in our life. Your time kind of like, you know, we kind of go with the time of the, the flow, you know, of the world is going to be completely different. It really changes a lot of things. So Sabbath is really big. So going from the traditional Sunday to Sabbath has several, several, several uh, challenges that I would, you know, I don't have time to address today, but they're just big challenges that, um, that typically is a big, uh, I've I've heard people say, well, you know, I've heard people say to me, well, I know what the Bible says and I know this is true, um, but I just can't do the Saturday thing. I just can't do it. And it is a big change. It's a, it's probably the biggest change. And so that's the number one, number two, and, um, this hits close to home because it's the dietary laws or what they call the food laws. That's the second obstacle that a lot of people have to overcome. Why the dietary laws? Because especially here in the South where I'm, I'm located in Texas and in Texas, we have a lot of, and probably all over the world, they have their, their version of this. We have fish fry. And typically on fish fries, man, it is catfish and catfish doesn't have scales. And so that's kind of what the big thing is around here is eating catfish. Right. Uh, And if it's not catfish, then it's um, uh, like uh, they they do like crawfish bowls down here. right? We we used to eat them. I used to be a part of it until you find out what it's all about. And you find out, wait a second, this stuff isn't really good for us, but uh, that's another obstacle. No one wants to let go of their bacon. Amen. I mean, you may be one of them, right? Uh, and finally, the last one and the one that we're going to hang out with today for most of the day uh, and most of this time together is the fief days, because there are so many of them. There's actually seven of them that we're going to talk about and kind of just give you an introduction to them. Um, and I encourage you, as I've always encouraged you, continue to study. Right. Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So you need to go and do your research and your studying of these. But typically the feast days, we're, we're all a kind of accustomed to celebrating the Christmas and the Easter, right? And if you're a Christian, you're supposed to celebrate those two holidays. But the problem with that is that nowhere in Scripture, nowhere, and if you can find it, send it to me, right? Um, are you commanded or we commanded as believers to celebrate these two holidays? We just kind of adapted to it over the last hundred years. Matter of fact, a lot of people don't even know Christmas was outlawed, uh, back in, back in the day. I mean, back in, up until I think the late 1800s, early 1900s, uh, you weren't even allowed to celebrate Christmas because it's pagan. And I know that's going to hurt people's feelings, but you're going to have to do your research. Now, one thing that we've done here at Epic Life is we've never told anybody whether they should or shouldn't celebrate Christmas, we don't promote it. We don't promote Christmas um, now that we've become a Torah-observant church. We we promote and celebrate God's commanded feast. And so that's where I want to hang out today. So in Leviticus 23, we're going to skip around several other verses also. Um, these are just some, some starting points, if you may, right? So I don't expect to do a, a huge, deep dialogue with you today on these feast days. But I want to answer a question, and the question is, are the feast days only for the Jewish people? Because typically, when you begin to kind of investigate this, and if you have Jewish friends or you yourself might be Jewish, you might say, well, those are our holidays. The problem with that is, is that doesn't align as a messianic believer to complete scripture. Here's the thing, the Bible defends itself, right? So for whatever answers we need and whatever solution we need to find, we simply need to go into the Bible and read what the Bible says, right? And so the Bible is going to give us the answers. Now, again, this isn't going to be a deep study, but mainly more of an introductory um, uh, uh, for these these holidays, these feasts. So let's get started. So uh, most Most of these feasts are, according to the Bible, are divided into two categories. And the two categories are, these are the spring feasts and the fall feasts. And obviously we're in September. And so we're coming into the fall. And so these are going to be big issues, especially as we get into like the later part of October where you have uh, the pagan holiday Halloween or Hallow's Eve. Um, And then you've got the next one you got coming up. You've got Thanksgiving, which I don't believe Thanksgiving is a pagan holiday. And then you have Christmas. Obviously, Christmas comes has definitely pagan origin. So let's look at this. So Leviticus 23, let's begin with the number one issue that we're dealing with, which is the number one uh, obstacle that people typically have making that transition. And that's found in Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 1. We're going to see God's first holiday. Now, I want you to listen, and whatever translation of the Bible you use, It's basically going to say this. It has almost the exact same wording. I've looked in several versions and see the same thing. So here we go. Leviticus 23, beginning in verse 1. Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Benai Israel, that's the sons of Israel, and tell them, These are the appointed Moadim's, thief of Adonai, the Lord, which you are to proclaim to be holy convocations, very important, my Moadim's, my thiefs. Notice the wording. We'll go back here in a minute. Work may be done for six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of solemn rest, a holy convocation. There's that word again. You are not to do no work. It is a Shabbat to Adonai in all your dwellings. Now, the Sabbath is the first. uh, I want you to notice that God puts this as the first feast day. The Sabbath is a weekly time to celebrate with the Lord. I want to say that again. The Sabbath, or the Shabbat, is a weekly time of celebrating with the Lord. And he tells us what we're to do. Number one, right? it's a day of rest. You're not supposed to do any work, any type of exertion of yourself. Now, I know there's great debate on what's considered uh, work, what's not considered work. But I'm just telling you right now that he says no work, no exertion. OK, and and in there, when you go back into Exodus and you begin to read the commandment, it even says that we're not supposed to make our, our, our maidservants work, our main, a manservants. We're not supposed to, uh, you know, cause our animals to work. So some of you out there who have have sport animals or you have a farm or whatever, those animals are supposed to rest as well. Dogs, cats, whatever, our animals are supposed to rest. This is a Sabbath, not just for you and me. Listen to me. This is a Sabbath rest for all creation, right? So everything should have a time of rest. All right. The other things you need to notice is that, that that Sabbath is it says it's a holy convocation. This word holy convocation simply means a gathering, an assembly. We're just supposed to assemble with other believers, not just one or two families. This is where people get messed up. This is a called out time. This is a time that we're supposed to come out from our dwellings, and hang out and worship God together. So it's a holy convocation, okay? So the very first feast that God gives to mankind is the feast of the Shabbat. So every week, this is an appointed time, a holy convocation. These are appointed, right? These are Adonai, spoke, speaking them and tell them these are the appointed feast. These are appointed. In other words, these are set times that God has made. So the Sabbath is God's made time. For you and for me to what? To gather together with others, to rest and celebrate. That's why our Sabbath here typically lasts, man, I mean, we start at 1030 in the morning and then you have our message and we have worship and we have a tour portion that lasts about two hours. But then we go into what we call Neg, which is a time of festivities and, and celebrating and fellowship to delight in one another. And that may go all the way till three, four, five o'clock sometimes, right? We don't typically get out of here till four o'clock. So it's really an all-day thing. It's, it's a time of just gathering with believers and building fellowship believe and, and hanging out with one another. So I want to encourage you, if you're not Sabbathing, You can begin the Sabbath. There's a question. You know, somebody said, well, if I worship on Sunday, can I still Sabbath? Yeah, I don't don't see anything wrong with that. Some people say, well, I I don't keep this. But here's the thing is that the Sabbath is a holy convocation. You're supposed to assemble together, right? And that's the part that's really key. And this is a commandment that God gave us. And so even though you may still worship on Sunday, I'm going to tell you right now, it's very hard to do to worship on Sunday and then take the Sabbath day off that's very difficult. I'm going to tell you right now, because you ain't going to have no time to do anything around the house. So we take a Sabbath. We do everything on Saturday. We take all our rest. And then Sunday we do our grocery shopping. We do our chores around the house. We do other things. Um, And so I want to challenge you there. Okay. So let me move moving on. We just have uh, for the, uh, for time's sake. So let's talk about the spring feast. Now the spring feasts are beautiful because here's what you need to remember about the spring feast is that the spring feast in Messiah all of them have been completed in Jesus. Okay. So all of these feasts, all of the feasts in general. So I may not have said the Sabbath, the spring feast, and the fall feast. All of them, listen, point to Yeshua, they all point to Jesus. Got to get that first. Okay. So once you understand that, now we got to determine where, wh- what goes where, right? So the spring feast have all been fulfilled in Messiah. He fulfilled all of them. Okay. And I'm going to show you why and how that looks. So let's look at the first one um, Passover or Pathok. This is a reminder of God's deliverance from Egypt. Uh, and uh, what we'll see here in a minute, we'll just look, look let's look at Leviticus 23 verses 4 and 5. It says, These are the appointed feasts, here's that wording again, right, of Adonai, um, holy convocation, which you are to proclaim in their appointed season during the first month on the 14th day of the month in the evening is Adonai's Passover, Pesach. Okay? Why is this so important? This, first of all, it celebrates, um, it celebrates the um the deliverance of the nation of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh out of Egypt God came and and we all know the 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 plagues that came out right and Pharaoh still wouldn't let the people of 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 the Lord go and so what he did was decide okay you're not going to let my people go so what he did was he commanded the nation of Israel to put to uh, to get a lamb if you didn't have your own lamb to share a lamb with your neighbor and to take the blood of the lamb and Take the blood and with Hesop, uh, go over the four corners of the door or the the top and the, and, the, and down and and, and do that. And, and the reason for that is, is that death would go over the nation of Egypt, uh, the whole region, and anyone who didn't have that blood over their doorposts were the firstborn was killed. Now, what do we know about this firstborn? Well this is very important there's a there's a whole another study you can do understanding that the first the first the first given to the lord the first given is sacrifice redeems the rest and there's a, there's a bible verse for that so the first redeems the rest this is why jesus is so important messiah comes on the scene And what does he become? Well, John tells us, John looks at when Jesus is coming through the crowd, John the Immerser looks at Jesus. What does he declare? He says, behold, right, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was going to be what? The sacrifice, and he became the sacrifice. So Passover, Pesach, has been fulfilled in Messiah. So why do we celebrate it? In remembrance, we remember not only God's deliverance from uh, the nation of Israel out of Egypt, but we also remember Messiah, that he became and is our Passover lamb. And so the next feast is called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We pick it up in verse 5 of chapter 23. It says, during the first month, On the 14th day of the month, in the evening, Pesach, is Adonai's Passover. And on the 15th day, the very next day of the same month, is the Feast of Matzah to Adonai. Matzah is unleavened bread. For seven days, you are to eat matzah. On the first day, you are to have a holy convocation. There's that holy gathering again, right? And you shall do no regular work. In other words, it is a Sabbath. Okay, so here's another Sabbath that's put into the feast days. Okay, for seven days you eat matzah. On the first day you'd have a holy convocation. You shall do no regular work. Verse eight. Instead, you are to present an offering made by fire to Adonai for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation when you are to do no regular work. So this is a double Sabbath. You have a high Sabbath and a low Sabbath. The high Sabbath starts or kicks off the feast. The low Sabbath ends the feast. We have two of those on this point. So this is basically taking matzah and, and eating matzah. Why matzah? matzah is unleavened bread it's to remove the hamats from your home traditionally what they would do what jews uh, the jewish people do is they would go in their home with their children the father would take the children with a flashlight very important and go around and pick up and and they would go and hide some bread or or leavened food in the house and the children would go and help uh, find it and discover it. And then call for the father and the father would come and pick up the hamats and take the hamats outside and throw it outside or burn it. <laughs> this is a beautiful tradition to start with your children because it does a couple of things. Number one, when we find hamats represents sin, okay, hamat or the yeast represents sin. And when our children have sin in their life, they're to call to the Father, and the Father comes and removes the sin from their life. Does this sound familiar? Yeah, because our Father sent Jesus to do what? To remove sin from our life. Jesus comes and redeems mankind from our lawlessness, right? We see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 6, and 8, it says, Your boasting is no good. Don't you know that a little hamat leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old Hamats. Get rid of the sin so you may be a new batch, just as you are unleavened for Messiah, our Passover lamb. See there? Jesus is our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Verse 8, therefore, let us celebrate. This is really important for Christians to understand this. Therefore, let us celebrate the feast, not with the old Hamats, the Hamats of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread. Uh, the matzah of sincerity and truth. So here's the deal. Paul is saying, look, get sin out of your life and celebrate the feast. What is the feast that he's referring to? He's referring to the feast of Passover. So even Paul, who people say, oh, Paul taught against the law. He's telling them he's talking to Gentiles here in Corinthians. And he says, let's celebrate this feast, but let's not celebrate it with sin in our life. Let's celebrate it without sin as a new batch, because Jesus Christ has become our Passover. He has been our sacrifice and he has brought us out from the slavery of sin. So, it's very important that we get that. Okay. So, that's really, really cool. I love this. Yeshua takes away our sin. And so, we have the feast of unleavened bread. Going on to verse nine, Leviticus nine, we're going to talk about the feast of first fruits. This is a beautiful one. Watch. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When you come into the land that I give you and reap its harvest, you shall bring the sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. And he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after Shabbat, the priest shall wave it. And on that day, when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old. Watch without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Have we done this already? Yes. In Messiah, he's the unblemished lamb. He's the sacrifice. Verse 13. And the grain offering with it shall be two tenths of an epa of fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be wine. Notice what Jesus did right at the last, pa- at the Passover meal with a, uh, with wine a fourth of a hen. Verse 14, and you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh until the same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statue forever throughout your generation, all your dwelling. So this is powerful. So what we have now is the feast of first fruit. Jesus goes up to the father, right? He becomes the first fruit offering. He becomes that offering for us. He waves himself in front of the Father, putting his blood upon the altar in heaven. This is powerful, which leads us to the next feast, which is what we call the Feast of Weeks, the Pentecost. So when that first offering is given, you're now to count seven full weeks from the first offering, right? From that first Sabbath after Passover, you count seven weeks, right? Count, it, this is called the counting of the Omar, right? Why is this important? Because what you're going to see here in Leviticus 23 here in a minute, but also in the book of Acts, this is where the new and the old come together. Because when the, the gift of the Holy Spirit was given on Pentecost, well, Pentecost means the 50th day. The 50th day from what? It's the 50th day from Passover. So it's counting that Omar up to that day, and that is called the Feast of Weeks. Pentecost equals the 50th day, the counting of the Omar. They would come together. Here we find it in verse 15 of Leviticus 23. You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheep of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. This is the first fruit. Yeshua becomes our first fruit. This is why Messiah told the disciples, don't leave, but stay in Jerusalem. Why? To celebrate this feast. If you go into the book of Acts, what you'll notice is you're going to see everybody was in Jerusalem. They were gathered. Men were gathered in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were celebrating this. They were coming together on the counting of the Omar and to celebrate the feast of weeks. This is powerful. What happens on that day? On the fiftieth day, it is the Holy Spirit that is poured out upon the disciples. It is the day that that the that re- revival begins in Jerusalem. Right, the gospel is preached by Peter. Peter they ask Peter, "What must we do to be saved?" They say, "Man, you must be immersed and repent of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit." This is power. This is the gospel, right? So the Holy Spirit comes down on the Feast of Weeks. Why? Because this is the first fruit offering of Yeshua. It's very. Very, very powerful. So now we have those spring feasts. Those are all the spring feasts that happen. And then we have a break. We have summer, right? Summer comes. Well, now you have the fall feast that come in. Now, the fall feasts fall into place beginning around September, October time, which is where we're at right now, all right? And there are there are three feasts there. So you have the three in the spring, you have, you have Sabbath, you have the three spring, and then you have the three in the fall. Now, I know there are other some people j- celebrate the first of the year. They do all these other. These are not, but those aren't commanded feasts, right? There are other feasts that we do celebrate, such as uh, uh, um, Purim. A lot of us celebrate Purim uh, and remembering God's deliverance. Hanukkah. Hanukkah is another one celebrating again God's deliverance and God's provision. And so there are other holidays, but those holidays aren't necessarily commanded mitvot as these are that we're reading about. So let's get started. Continuing on in verse 23 of Leviticus, it says this, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, there's a Sabbath, a memorial proclaimed with a blast of trumpets. Trumpets is, uh, um, oh my goodness, just lost it, teruah. Uh, a solemn rest, of memorial a memorial proclaim with the blast of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. You shall present a food offering to the Lord. So now we have these fall feasts. So a lot of people go. Well, what do the fall feasts represent? Well, think about it. If the spring feasts represent what Jesus did, the fall feasts then represent what Jesus is what what He is going to do. Right. So this is where we come into play. So if you go into Leviticus, like we're reading here. It says that we're to we're to re, we're to celebrate this, right? And I've always believed. I'm just going to do a little confessional that this was only for the Jewish people because if you continue reading on in Leviticus 23 down towards the end, and what you'll see is um, that the that those who are native born from Israel are to dwell in a sukkah, a sukkah. and that's like a tent, a temporary dwelling. Up, oh, I'm ahead of myself. Let me come back to that. Pause that. All right. So we have this fall feast, the Feast of Trumpets. The Feast of Trumpets also do something else. Uh, it opens up. It's 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 really like in the Book of Thessalonians. It says that 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 when Christ returns, He will return with the sound of the shofar. So we believe that this points to the return of Christ coming back for His church, His His bride. Okay. The other thing is the blowing of the shofar is a sound declaring the return of Messiah, but it's also the beginning of something very, very important. It also is the sound of the day, the beginning of the 10 days of awe, All right, signifying repentance or teshuvah. Teshuvah means to return back to the Lord. So when we hear the blowing of the shofar, it should cause us, man, that if there is any sin in our life to repent, to get things straight, get things squared away in our life. If we've sinned against someone else, we need to do it. And that really leads us into this 10 days of all with the accumulation of the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, right? So now we have the feast of trumpet sounding the return of Messiah, and then we that that's starts the 10 days of awe or 10 days of uh, repentance. And then ending that with Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a day of judgment. Now, before you get too ahead and you may be a Christian, go, well, our sins have been atoned for. Yes. And amen. Jesus did that. So why do we celebrate the day of atonement? Because our sins have been atoned for. But as believers in Messiah, the Day of Atonement is a day that we we kind of vex our spirits. It's a day of fasting, 25 hours of fasting, no food, no water, and a day of reflecting. It's a day that we can really reset our spiritual clock if you want to and say, like, maybe you, like, throughout the year, you did some things that, man, you're not proud of. Maybe you offended someone. Maybe you hurt someone. This is about introspection. This isn't about outro. This isn't about looking at everybody else around us, right? This is about looking inside our own hearts and our own spirits and asking the questions. Man, have I sinned against God? Have I sinned against my brother? Remember the two commandments Jesus said, love your God, with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, on the Day of Atonement, this is a time that we can look back in our life and ask, man, did I love God with all my heart? Are there issues in my life that I need to repent of? And are there issues that I need to go and, and talk to somebody and say, hey, I've really messed it. I'm, I for, Please forgive me. And so that's the day of atonement. We find it in Leviticus 23, 26, right? And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 27, now on the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be for you a time of holy convocation. You shall afflict yourself. Watch this. And present a food offering to the Lord, and you shall not do any work on that very day, for it is a day of atonement, to make atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whoever is not afflicted on that very day shall be cut off from his people. And whoever does any work on that very day, that person I will destroy from among his people. You shall not do any work. It is a statue. Watch this. So important. This is God. It is a statue forever. Do you think at this point that G- God knew that Yeshua was going to come? Yes, we see that promise all the way back in Genesis, right? And in Genesis, what do we find? God, when when Adam and Eve sin, God says, "Man, that that the Son will 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 bruise Satan's feet and he will crush him." Right. So he already prophesies the the Messiah coming in this point. We already know Messiah is coming, and he says here in these commandments, why he says, this shall be forever." you shall not do any of you shall celebrate this forever and whoever does any work on that very day that person i will destroy from among these people you shall not do any work it is a sabbath it is a statue forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places Verse 32, and it shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest, and you shall afflict yourself. The word afflict here means you should, like anything that you enjoy in your life. Like if you're a, if you're, you know, you like to go hunting, you shouldn't hunt on that day. You shouldn't, anything that brings us joy, we should not do. Why? You'll see here in a minute why this is important, but it's because it's a time of affliction. It's a time of setting back. And if anything, for us as believers to set back and remember, what messiah did for us remember what he went through the affliction that he went through right the bruising that he went through the chastisement that he went through right he bore our sins upon his body he spilled out his blood we can take 25 hours and fast and rest and take a sabbath and not do anything and just focus in on adonai focus in on messiah during that time absolutely powerful Now, what does this mean for pointing us towards the end time? Well, it also points to what we believe is the return of Messiah and the judgment that's going to come upon the earth. See, here's what I tell people. I'd rather judge myself right now than be judged by the Father. And let me tell you something. I'm not perfect by any means, and I don't know anybody that I hang out with that follows these teachings that is perfect yet as well. But, man, we're taking in the opportunity that the father gave us as a feast day, a set apart day to sit back and go, Hey, let's reflect on all that Messiah has done for us. And if there are areas in our life that we need to correct, let's correct them. Now let's repent. Now let's test Va let's return back to the father now before it is too late. And finally, the last one is called the Feast of Tabernacles. This is my favorite one. So we come out of the trumpet blast, man, Messiah returns. We celebrate that. We 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 remember that, right, of all that. That starts and begins the 10 days of awe that takes us into the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then it's really hard. That's a hard time. It's a vexing of our spirit, right? But then, hallelujah, and this is exactly what's going to happen. There's going to be judgment on the earth. It's going to be terrible times, right? But what what happened? Well, when we go to revelations chapter 19 and 20, we see that Messiah returned and we dwell with him for a thousand years. This is the feast of tabernacles. Let's take a look here at what the Bible says. Leviticus twenty three thirty three, And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, verse 34, speak to the people of Israel saying on the 15th day of the seventh month. And for seven days, is the feast of booth to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. For seven days you shall present food offerings to Adonai. And on the eighth day you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. Two Sabbaths. Remember, one at the beginning, one at the end. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. In other words, you don't do anything. Now, you can, as you're preparing for Sukkot, you can work, you can do those things, but you're not to do anything else, any ordinary work. Now, this is important for believers because, man, this this, this, this magnifies what God's fixing to do. Okay. So when Jesus comes back and he redeems the his bride, the Bible says, man, we know about the great war that's going to happen, right? Armageddon. And there's going to be great war of unbelievers and believers and they're going to be fighting and all this stuff, but really it's going to be God fighting. But notice what it says in Zechariah. This is very powerful. Remember I said earlier, I kind of I kind of got ahead of myself when I started talking about that when, when you read Leviticus and you go further down, you'll see that it's only those who are, uh, the commandment is given that only those who are natively born in Israel are to stay or live in a Sukkot for those seven days. And so my opinion was, man, we don't have to really do the Sukkot thing, right? I mean, we do have to do the Sabbath and celebrate and all that stuff, but we don't have to live in a suka. We don't have to live in a tent. Because I know there are there are people that are following this, man, that they're absolutely like, we've got to stay in a dwelling place. If we don't stay in a dwelling place. We're not doing it. Da, da, da. But that's really commanded to the people of Israel, that's, to those who have natively born in Israel. I wasn't native. I'm not a native as Israel. I'm adopted. I'm a foreigner being brought in, grafted in, as Paul says, right? So I'm grafted in just like many of you are. But why do we celebrate it? So the Lord showed me uh, through other teachings, I've learned this, that we do celebrate it as a rehearsal? Why is this important? Well, now when you go to Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, and 17, it talks about this great battle that's going to take place. And that after the battle, watch what it says in verse 33 through 36. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 16 and 17 of Zechariah 14. Zechariah 14, verse 16. Watch what he says. Then everyone who survives of all the nations that have come against Jerusalem shall go up year after year to worship the king. The uh, the Lord of Host, and to keep the feast of booths. Did you see that? And if any of the families of the earth do notice who, all the families of the earth, all the nations will go up, and, uh, and those who don't watch. And, all, and and if any of the families of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, there will be no rain on them. In other words, for those people who say, well, I don't have to do this. This is just a Jewish thing. This is nothing. It says here in the end times, when the great battle is over with, and those who are still on here that are still around, right, that we're all going to go where? We're going to go to Jerusalem, and we're going to worship and celebrate the Sukkot with the king, with King Yeshua, right? So this is a this is like the one thousand year reign. This is powerful. So now I want to I want to say that these are the feasts, right? So the, I know I've taken a lot of time to talk about that. I'm going to cut it off here, but I want to answer one super important question that may be on all of your minds, and that is what I said earlier: is that well, isn't this just for the Jewish people? This is just you know, and you hear people say like you. I've read so many books. And, and, and things, and this is not a, 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 I don't want to be anti-Semitic in what I'm about to say, because it's not anti-Semitic. Matter of fact, I think it's quite opposite. It's how we, how we show that we are one in Messiah. And, and I know there's a lot of rabbis out there. I know there's a lot of Orthodox believers out there. Do not believe that Gentiles have anything to do with these things. And I'm going to argue with you on that. The reason for that is, is when you read, even in the original Hebrew, It says it, right? But when you read it, I want to take you to Leviticus 23, verse 37. This is the end of the commandments where God is giving these commandments to Israel. But here's what I want you to understand. Watch what it says. These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim as times of holy convocation. for presenting to the Lord food offerings, burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifice, drink offerings, each on its proper day. And the Lord spoke with Moshe saying, speak with the sons of Israel and say to them, the festivals of the Lord, which you have convoked as a holy convocation. This is actually out of the, um, the targums. the feast of the Lord, which you shall convoke as holy convocation. These are my festivals. So in Leviticus 23:37 20, uh, it says these are the appointed feast of the Lord and in the targum uh, of on on kalios on the book of viacra uh, uh, which is the book of Leviticus he says the Lord spoke with Moshe saying speak with the sons of Israel and say to them the festivals of the Lord which you shall convoke these are my festivals so here's here's my pushback to people who say well these are just for the Jewish people. You don't find that anywhere in scripture. And if we understand scripture the way Paul taught us, right? And Paul said that we have been grafted into Israel. We see it in the book of Acts. We see it in the book of Ephesians. We see it in the book of Galatians. We see it all throughout. It also says that anyone who wants to attach themselves to Israel, foreigners are to do these things, right? So that's us that is us so i would push back to you and say these are not the jewish the jewish people's holidays they're commanded to obey them just as believers in christ are to obey them why because we're grafted in see once we understand that we're grafted into israel we're part of the vine we gather from the roots go to read go read acts 15 or acts yes acts 11 right acts 11 i think We've been grafted into Israel. And so that is so important that we understand this, that it's not. And here's what, here, here's what I want to say in closing. You're doing yourself a disservice if you don't do these things because you're missing out on a way. Number one, on a, on feast days that God has created and God is saying, man, you need to do these. Why? There are blessings in these. That when you live this life, God's blessing will be upon you and your family. Yes, it makes it means you have to make some changes in your lifestyle, in your daily living. There are things you're going to have to do to make these changes, to make adjust, adjustments so that you can live out these feasts. Okay. But don't miss out on this. This is so, so powerful guys, read your Bibles, study to show yourself approved, a workman who needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go back and study this stuff. Why should you celebrate the feast? Because the fall feasts point to Jesus and the spring feast point to Jesus. We celebrate the feast days because we're in Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Man, God bless you, man. Don't forget, if you have a comment or a question or or you have a topic you want me to talk about, man, send me an email at at pastormikeatepiclifetaryl.com, and I'll try to get that on the air for you, right? Also, man, like like this video if you stayed here long enough to watch the whole thing. If you're watching it online, um, leave a comment. Tell me what you thought about it. Uh, Like and subscribe, all that good stuff to our page. Help us get the word out and the message out. Of the uh, of Sunday to Sabbath and help others discover the life that they were created to live. God bless you, and I'll see you next time.